Homage to the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha. Today's guided meditation is taking the small meditation at the end of our Silavanta Sutta talk and contemplating together. If you haven't done this type of meditation before, this type of contemplation, it's okay to acknowledge that, that it's different from other things that you may have contemplated, other steps, other instructions. But also acknowledge when there's resistance to the prompts in this guided meditation. This meditation is very powerful as a way of unshackling ourselves to samsara, coming back for rebirths. It is out of wrong view, misapprehension about how things really are, that we keep transmigrating from life to life to experience dukkha over and over again. And so when you're asked in this meditation to contemplate things which we don't really like to contemplate, things that seem painful, see them as truths, trying to seek the truth, trying to peel away the layers of deception, the lies, how we trick ourselves into thinking it's something else. So it's very good if you experience resistance during this meditation to acknowledge it. And know that what we are trying to do is this thing called Yoniso Manisikara, that we're trying to carefully, wisely, using the Buddha's words, direct our minds to the truth, to the right view and to abandon anything that is going to lead us away from the right view towards the wrong one. So let's begin this guided meditation. What we're contemplating is the statement and question, if it is impermanent, anicca, if it is suffering or painful, dukkha, and it is subject to change, vipranama, is it worth taking as me and mine? So again, if it is impermanent, if it is painful or suffering, and it is subject to change, is it worth taking as me and mine? So to contemplate this, the Buddha encourages us to look at the five aggregates subject to clinging. So form, feeling, perception, volitional formations and consciousness. Before this guided meditation, we're going to look at it simply as body and mind.
So the examples that we can take in this meditation are ourselves, our body and mind, or what we term our body and mind, or those of other people in our lives, our loved ones, our colleagues, our friends. They can also be used as the example to penetrate this Dhamma. So the first thing, the first characteristic we investigate is if there is impermanence. So the most fundamental way that the Buddha encourages us to look at this is to look at this body. Look at this body and this mind. If it is born, what do we know? It ages. It is subject to sickness and eventually it passes away, it dies and the body breaks up. So we investigate a little further. If we take someone that we know, say our parents, We see the aging process in our parents. When we were young, they were so vitally alive and skin was very tight, balance was good, all the faculties were working well. And then as time passes, we notice up until this point everything starts to fade balance goes hearing goes eyesight gets worse life energy reduces things like digestion don't work so well and we've seen them get sick time and time again and we fear them getting sick. Even during this time, these challenging times. And then we may have parents who have passed away. Whoever is our meditation object at this moment, what we really see when we investigate in this manner, as difficult as it is to contemplate old age, sickness and death, but it's the easiest way to get to the truth. What arises, what is born, experiences Aging, sickness, and then death, the passing away. And we face exactly the same predicament. This predicament in samsara is one that is unstable, unlasting, 
impermanent. What arises passes away. So we meditate on this until we are very sure that there is no permanency. The mind has a way of playing tricks, particularly outside of meditation. It has thoughts like, we can make it last. I'm in control of this situation. Death is so far away or maybe even we're deluded enough to think it doesn't happen. But the more and more we investigate, there is no serum for everlasting life. What is born always dies. We see it in the plants, we see it in the animals, insects, and we see it in human beings. So then we move to the next characteristic, which is there is dukkha, pain, suffering. And Buddha advises us to see it also in the same way. To look at birth as dukkha, life as dukkha, aging as dukkha, Sickness as dukkha, death as dukkha. And then Buddha also says pain, sadness, sorrow, lamentation, grief, despair, separation from what is pleasing or dear to us, united with what is displeasing, disagreeable. And isn't that what life is about? That when we come into the world, we experience all these things that are not necessarily always happy. That what disrupts even the notion of permanent happiness is all the sliding from happiness, all the breaks in the happiness. And this particular time right now is a very good example of that when we're separated from our loved ones we can't see them we can't visit them we can't hug them when we have someone who is sick in our family or in our circle of friends in our Dhamma communities or when we know of someone who has recently passed away or our pet has passed away and so in this process of coming into the world, coming into samsara, we know that there is dukkha defined in this whole process. No matter how much we say it's not there, we investigate. And it really is there. What is born is subject to aging and death, even at that level. And therefore, because of that, we will always suffer 
suffer out of confusion, suffer out of anger, suffer out of sheer sadness and sorrow at our predicament. So whatever we grasp out in the world, these five aggregates of clinging, if we misapprehend, then we will continue to suffer, not just in this lifetime, but beyond that. So this meditation you investigate, Dukkha in all its entirety, from the small things like having to go to work, having to earn money, losing our jobs, being subjected to all kinds of situations and scenarios, some that we've experienced and some that we will experience in the future, through government, through our relationships, through the climate. All these things are simply due to being born into the world. And the greater part is, as we get older, is it not true? We have to watch our loved ones grow old. We have to watch our loved ones get sick. Whether it's a small illness or whether it's a terminal one. And it happens to young and old. Not just our parents, but our friends, our children, our nieces, our nephews, our grandchildren, our colleagues, our neighbours, the politicians, the celebrities, the singers, the musicians, everyone. No one is free of that. This is the truth. If there are doubts about impermanence, suffering, then investigate further. Investigate whether you can find anything that is permanent, whether you can find anything that is permanently happy. That's the meditation. You keep looking. Because if you can find it, it would be amazing. But in truth, what the Buddha says is very true. That when we investigate all the examples that come to mind, it is very fragile, this existence. And because of that, it is subject to suffering. And then the third characteristic is subject to change, vipranama. And it's the same thing. When you see the aging process, the ripening process in all of us, you see that you can't keep it the way it was. You can't stay eternally young. You can't stay with all your faculties. 
at its optimum, there is a decline that happens in all of us. The minute we are born, it starts to slide. We see that in all the other people in our lives. We'll see it when we see our loved ones again after this time where we can't travel to see them. We'll notice that all beings are subject to change. We have no control over this process, no matter how much we say we are independent, powerful, rich, learned, intelligent, capable. Despite all these things, we have no control over this process in samsara. We are at the mercy of these constructed conditions. And the more we cling to them, the more we are at the mercy of them. So then Buddha's question is really, if it is impermanent and suffering and subject to change, is it worth taking as me and mine? Is it worth taking as me and mine if it is hollow like that, if no matter what we construct, slides, subject to decay, subject to death. Is there anything substantial there? Or is it hollow, empty, void? Not in our control. Is there something that we call self there? Or is it empty of self? Empty of anything belonging to self really? If there's no permanency, no long lasting happiness, and is always subject to change, is it worth taking as mine? Is it worth taking as me and mine? When you answer 
after contemplating. And contemplate as deeply as you can about impermanent suffering and subject to change. The mind automatically gives you the right answer. It actually goes straight to emptiness. And there's a massive relief that you start to clear some of the delusion, some of the ignorance, some of what's blocking seeing things as they really are. Really go into that. Really allow the mind to accept that. To accept that answer, that it's empty, that it's hollow, void of any real substance, not worth taking as mine. Allow the mind to expand, to brighten, to really brighten. Allow it to go luminous. It's possible with this meditation to become very, very concentrated Immovable Don't let it scare you There's nothing to fear in the truth what you realize is that we are all in this predicament that binds us to a mass of suffering when we don't understand and so with this meditation we're seeing through the deception the lies and coming out of our concrete bunkers lifting the doorbell of ignorance
in many ways the mind gets really happy because it knows it no longer has to pick the option with the really bad odds it now has an opening towards a choice that gives you better odds the one in samsara has the bad odds it's more of the same taking delight in the wrong things and ending up in the same predicament but the odds that buddha gives us is to see through this constructed conditioned situation we're in and to gradually through this meditation and others lift our minds understand the noble eightfold path and know what needs to be done So we can end the meditation here. It's very useful to practice this meditation quite frequently. Often we worry about trying to correct things in the outside world, outside of meditation. But what's really useful is actually to practice this kind of meditation and over time gradually you'll see your perspective change when it comes to worldly things you don't have to force it you don't have to do too much actually you just keep attending to your duties and responsibilities but eventually the fruit of this meditation is actually to find more ease in dealing with the world because that little glimpse that you get about our predicament often means that when you deal with the world you see things in the right context with the right perspective with the right view and so there's more ease that comes with that more gentleness more kindness and just a realization that the refuge is not out in the world, the refuge is Nibbana or leaning towards Nibbana and to walk with those who are walking the Buddha's Noble Eightfold Path. So I encourage you to keep practicing this meditation and to make sure 
that you see the difference in the mind when the mind is luminous and radiant with the truth where it concentrates very easily something as simple as contemplating the truth and although it seems that the medicine at the beginning is bitter where we have to contemplate old age sickness and death in ourselves or in our loved ones the truth is like this meditation once you break through that bitterness it's very pleasant in the mind when you give your mind the truth when you're not no longer distracting away uh, tricking it or allowing it to trick um, trick itself so don't be afraid with meditations like this allow the mind to concentrate allow the mind to really investigate and examine very carefully very methodically very thoroughly because if there is anything that is still convinced that there is permanence that there is still a place where you can hold on to happiness that uh, it's not subject to change and therefore worthwhile taking as me in mind then that's what needs to be investigated but when you keep meditating you keep investigating you realize actually the Buddha is right the Buddha is always pointing out the truth for our well-being even if it is bitter because when you get to see the truth peel away the delusion about things what we've been conditioned to believe there is so much sweetness and relief and that's what we need to notice and what we need to expand so we can share the merit with all sentient beings may all beings be happy and well may all beings be free from suffering Blessings of the Triple Gem, wishing you all well. Peruan Saranai.